Jim. Yeah. Um, Jim, Jim Robeson. Jim Robeson, I have known you for a quarter of a century. I'm deeply in love with you. You're an <laughs> um, Tell us a bit about yourself, Jim, before we jump. Tell, tell us who, who's Jim Robeson. Well, I started, I came into this lovely country, man, coaching American football. The home for me is New York. I'm a New Yorker. Mm. Um, university educated, University of Rhode Island. Um, been teaching for 37 years, man, working in schools in and around, you know, uh, England and America, American football in England and America. Um, married this year, 30 years. Congratulations. And, uh, yeah, four lovely kitties, man. Uh, and life is absolutely fantastic, man. Um, I have a company of my own called Youth Minded, where we mm -hmm. go around the country, you know, working, doing work, and uh, also do a lot of work for the lovely ITL. Mm -hmm. But life is fantastic, man. Really good, man. Well, you and I are both uh, connected with Independent Thinking Limited and, and the, the lovely Ian Gilbert and the fam there. And mm. we, we run a program called um, Peace, Love and a Good Education um, as a you know, uh, old white working class guy. And, uh, <laughs> and you're an old um, black working class guy, I believe. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. So, but the, the thing is, our, so some people, also you're taller than I am. Because um, I would just get hammered if I went to do a bit of American football. Um, but what is it that we have in common? And in this conversation, I want to explore what makes us human. Because that's what mm -hmm. we do. I mean, yes, we have our own background. Yes, we have our own culture. Yes, we have our own identity. But you say, and I remember this, you say, you know, in terms of the race, there, there is only one thing. Mm. And that's that's a human race. Yeah. And, well, that's, and that's, yeah. So when you, are, say, what, when you say, what do we have in common, dude, that's what I see in you. That's what I see a lot of, in a lot of ITL people. Um, I see that. I see there's mm -hmm. one race, the human race. You know, it's all about, it's really cool to say to somebody, you know, it's all right, I get along with you and all right. But there are some things, man, there are some barometers that are vitally important. Yeah. The first barometer is, you know, to feel welcome. Yeah, to feel welcome is a barometer. I remember the first time we hung out up at Center Park. Yeah. Ian Gilbert, yourself, myself, our children, our families. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was a, not only was that a welcoming thing for me, but from Ian Gilbert's standpoint, for me, it was a sense of like belonging to ITL. You know, at that time we weren't, we weren't as big, you know, and it was a sense of belonging. The big days out to me, you know, just don't mm. offer that whole thing about, but a sense of belonging. So I think there's two important factors, man, you know, that we, that you make me feel welcome. I remember going to your house and um, up there a long time ago, a very long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember seeing the cabin that you built when your mom and your mother-in-law was around. I remember being invited to see that with Dave Keeling. I'm recording um, him right now. I can feel yeah, you know, the wood. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, I think when you say what we have in common also, this whole human being thing. Also, not just wanting to be better people, wanting the world to be a better place. Now, you remember our man, Mike Breeley. Mm. Mike Breeley, every time I talked to Mike Breeley, without fail, Roy, Mike Breeley would say to me, James, are you making the, are you going to leave the world better than what you found? <laughs> well, every Bray, single, Bray did, me? Every yeah. single time, man. Yeah. So that's another thing that I know we're trying to do. I really dig some of your concepts, man. I just do. I, I think not only... I deal with a lot of behavior at school. So it's not mm -hmm. just about dealing with the behavior that I'm seeing in front of you. What am I doing with the young person so that they can make a change in their lives and how they treat people down the road? Cool. I really dig that. Well, let, let's, I'm going to ask you a few questions. And these are questions I'm asking every, 
everyone in the uh, in the series of podcasts. So we're we're looking at sort of transrational peace building and transrational relationships. But we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. Before we start that, and I think you may have even answered it. Have you ever had an experience where you just connect with a situation, an individual, or a, a place? And you act upon that intuition. You like you respond to them. You you connect with, and that has led to some practical gain. And it could be a, a realization. It could be even a practical benefit. But you acted on your intuition mm. because of your connection with something or someplace, and it led to something tangible. Yeah. And I think you I mentioned think, when you just talked about center parks. I think for yeah, me, center parks, man. But for me, Roy, the experience you just described is me coming to England. You know, I'm from New York. I came to England. I had never been to England before. I've been to Italy before. I've never been to England before. Um, I traveled a little bit. But coming to England, actually talking with some of the people I met first in England, white and a few black people I met, but a lot of the white people I met. And I've had, you know, some opportunity, you know, some just situations where I just was made to feel, made to feel very welcome. Mm. Made to feel like I belong, yeah? yeah, and and because of that, I've been in England now thirty-two years. Mm. But I met some people when I first got here, and I was supposed to be here for six months. So my my work visa for American football was for six months. So I was supposed to be here for six months. Um, so taking a liking to England in general, English people. Yeah, um, I met my wife after being here for a year and a half. You mm. know, um, and my family was born and raised here. But I think those those transrational conversations you talk about, those experiences you talk about, again, I'm right in the middle, man, because that's how I got here. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think one, and I've heard you speak many times, and I've mm. had the pleasure of working with you. I think you manifest the the the, the transrational. I mean, let me define for for those uh, people who listen to the first time. Transrational is to go beyond the rational. That's it. It's like some things you can't comprehend. It can be an emotional thing. It can be a spiritual thing. However, you whatever you call it, but you go with your gut. And there's a lot of science on on what's going on in the gut and listening to it. But the in terms of looking at transrational um, peace building, particularly in schools, it, it the it's it's designed what you and I do. It's designed to move from from the theoretical and into the applied. Yeah. Um, in order to in order to develop and communicate with and support the lives of young people and teachers, okay. So we we have this um, real privilege, I think, as educators, mm -hmm. to be in the room with and help shape you know, the minds of young people, but also being aware that we are being shaped by them. And that's a, yes. So what, what do you what do you understand? Um, what what do you understand the word transrational to, to mean? Well, I got the trans, but you know, it's like a movement. Yeah, mm -hmm. I got like a rational movement, like a a why do that thing for that reason in education. What's the transrational movement? Yeah. I'll yeah. give you a for instance. I do trips to New York. What's the transrational deal? What's the connection with a trip to New York? Yeah, with education and students. Oh, and to me, the, yeah, the transrational bit is moving them just from the classroom, yeah, like onto the airplane, onto the airport where they see jobs, uh, onto New York. And one day you can just ease up to a kitty and say, look, man, you know, one day you can work here, dude, if you get your education right. <laughs> you could actually get a job here. 
Yeah. Um, you, you've been running those trips to New York for... 29 trips, Roy. 29. 29 and, trips. And they're students. And you take, you take you take white kids and black kids. Um, yes. And I think I think one of the, the, the benefits is, is for, for kids to experience a world that is not like their world. Yeah. And the impact on them is more than just taking some photographs and having a selfie by the Eiffel Tower, by the Eiffel Tower, by the Empire State Building. Um, it's actually coming back and being shaped in a way that they're not even aware of how they've been shaped. Hey, give them a reason to justify their change. I can't make your change for you. But to me, again, your concept, the transrational, is moving them and putting them in a situation where they can now make some serious rational decisions and choices for themselves. How do you make a proper choice? How do you make a proper rational choice when you don't know all the surrounding things? Mm. And the choice might be something as simple as, okay, we went on that trip. I really like that. I really dug that. I know nerve maybe make that happen in my future. I need to do this now. There's your rational. There's the rationality coming in. There's the link to education coming in. So that's where um, that's where I'm at with the term as rational, and I'm and if I add the dialogue, I'm really strong because to me that's just about how I get that talking. Where do so, I get that? I'll pack that bit, but so in terms of transrational dialogue, yeah. So you have we're having a dialogue with you, mm. uh, each other, which is rational because we can hear each other, we can see yeah. each other, or and we have a structure to this. But the transrational is not just what we hear it's not just what we see it's how we respond and how we are influenced by that dialogue because some people can talk at you <laughs> some people mm -hmm. can talk with you yeah but having a transrational dialogue if you're having a transrational dialogue with a student what 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 is it that you're hoping to do if you're if you're having not just a dialogue but a, a, a dialogue that is fully human because transrational means you've got to be fully human what does that look like and do you have well, a on that? One, one thing for me, Roy, is that dialogue also means something else for me. Dialogue means ongoing. So, again, I know I keep using the trips and everything else, New York and everything else. But when I say dialogue, remember, this kid and his family started paying for this trip nine, ten months before we went on the trip. Sure. So I had a continuous dialogue with him, his family, <laughs> about everything that was going on. Uh, up until he gets on the airplane to go to the trip. At that point, I now have total, total dialogue with him the whole time because I, in essence, become the parent. Yeah. I'm running the trip, and that's how I run it. Yeah. yeah. So I make sure that everybody's cool, and I check on everybody all the time. And the whole deal, man, is about well-being. I want to make sure every single one of them enjoys the city of New York and enjoys the experience. Again... The transrational I throw in by maybe being on top of the Empire State Building mm -hmm. and saying uh, daytime, yeah, and bringing you back at two o'clock in the morning and saying, yo, man, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Give me your thoughts right now. My first day there, we do a the top of New York. We do 30 Rock and we do the Empire State Building. What I'm trying to do, Roy, is one, the more you see, the more you can aspire to be. That to me, is a part of the transrational thing also. Mm. The more you see, the more you can aspire to be. Moving them along in that rational way that I can connect it. Sometimes the action might be irrational to get a rational thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, sometimes, you know. Um, you know, we, we hey, at night, I take him out every night. And there's times when I say, look, man, I'll be here. Here's Times Square. You got two hours. Go for it. Now, there are a lot of people that maybe, yo, that's crazy. You're going to let them go wild in the middle of New York. See, but my irrational rational is that they will become New Yorkers, man, that they will learn how to walk the streets. They'll learn how to take care of their business. They'll learn how to hold their purse. They'll learn how to go shopping. They'll learn how to wash their backs. They go in pairs. Mm -hmm. So now you learn to look, for each, look out for each other. Yeah. Which is how I bring in the rational. Because the, the essence of um, the being human is about the ability to be emotionally aware of your needs and other people's, to be intuitively confident. So when you have a little voice in your head, that is coming from somewhere, but also mm. being able to be practical in what you do and understand it. And those four things, you know, to mm. be spiritual, emotional, which is a transrational, and practical and analytical, which is... The, the the rational mm. and um how do you i mean i think you've actually covered this question already with what you've said in terms of how you enact it in your professional life you've just explained but as in your personal life how do you deal with situations and if you don't feel comfortable about saying this stuff because there and you and i've had conversations around this anyway about you being on the receiving end of racism and you being on the receiving end of bullying mm. and violence mm towards you not just direct violence um but how do you as a very tall very strong you know black guy from yeah, yeah. from the bronx um I, Roy, i'm so blessed i can't tell you but the first thing i'm gonna say is man it's not not in avoidance of any type because you know me but i think education is key mm. if you educate yourself yeah and not just in the not just in the school work but educate yourself as we both do we're avid readers um, black history is my scene. Uh, if I just used the history that I read, then I would know what to expect, Roy, and from mm -hmm. who to expect it from. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I based my, if I based it on my history, if I based it on what I read, so that's fortified me a little bit because sometimes it's nothing new to me. I read it before. I just now can tick the box and say me too. <laughs> yeah, but it's nothing new. Um, so. What I what I have to do, man, is the strength inside of me is purely in my education and the fact that I know I belong because I've worked it and spent the time getting the experience, getting the degrees. You can't stop me because I'm educated. And I'm educated and old, I'm an, I'm an absolute force because now that I have the experience of old age, <laughs> 51 years old, the experience of my experiences, um, and as we as you looked at the wheel, you know, the thing we talked about, I love that, man. If you look at the bottom um, of yeah, the diagram. Yeah, that's you know, Bill, Bill Plotkin's wheel. It talks Bill Plotkin's. I'm in, I'm into stages six, seven, and eight. Right now, I'm in the probably stage six, you know, which is that artesian in the wild orchard. You know, I'm there. Yes. Um, for, the, for, the, uh, for those listening to this, we're referring to Bill Plotkin's wheel, who talks about the stages of childhood to adulthood. And I'll just quickly say what they are. First stage is early childhood, the innocent in the nest. The second one is middle childhood, which is explorer in the garden. Third stage is early adolescence, which is the thespian at the oasis, my kind of place. The stage four is late adolescence, the wanderer in the cocoon. Stage five is early adulthood, the apprentice 
at the Wellspring. Stage six is late adulthood, the artisan in the wild orchard. Stage seven is early elderhood, the master yeah. of elders. And stage eight is late elderhood, the, the, the sage in the mountain cave. Now, each one of these has a task, it has a gift, and it has a sense of gravity. We won't unpack that now, but 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 so you talk about late adulthood because I think I, I think I, I see you as a as an elder, early elder. Well, I tell you, I tell you because I see it as the late adulthood because of the stage about the seeds of cultural renaissance. I'm yeah, in an absolute. I, I'm, I'm I'm in a movement, man. I'm trying to get people away from using that word race. We're supposed to be educated folks. There's one race. It's called the human race. We are all from the cradle of civilization. We can map out how we left parts of Africa and how we became lighter and how we became this color and how we became that color and how this feature developed because I was now moved to this area and my body needs to develop and evolve into this. Um, I, I'm into that whole scene. So it's, it's a renaissance to me because I'm trying to get folks to, because I believe this whole race thing, man, it just, it just gotten almighty crazy, man. And we've gotten away a race, you want to win or you want to be on the right side. It seems to me that culture seems to be for sharing. You see, when I talk about your culture and you tell me about the English culture, I want to know more. But if you tell me about maybe you use that R word in there, which I don't understand anyway, I don't understand how that fits. But man, have I enjoyed learning the English culture. My children are English and my children are African-American. They are bicultural. There is no mixing of them. The mixing is in their culture, which they know both of. So, you know, that's why I picked that stage because I'm in that, I'm in that artesian and that real artist. <laughs> but, the, but, but the other thing in that stage then, just for, for clarity, I'm sure it's going to be a couple of people listening saying, but what are the other bits? The, well, the task uh, for the artisan is manifesting innovative delivery systems for soul work. Is which that is not what we do. It's what, it's what we do. It's what you that's do. That's what we do. And post-pandemic, that's a lovely thing. Post-pandemic, yeah. soul work. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. So. <laughs> I've, oh, I've got, I've got um, music in my head now. Um, soul Nation. Um, center of Gravity. Because I love this. He talked about the center of gravity. And the center of gravity for the for late adulthood is giveaway as art form. So I love that. I said, I'm going to give something to you. Maybe this podcast, this podcast is a giveaway as art form. No one's charging. Yeah. You just have it. Take it. That's what we want to do. Even having this conversation is going to support people having a further conversation. Then job done. Job done. And as I get older and I move into from stage six to stage seven to stage eight, I want to give more. But say you never give because at stage six is my time of giveaway. Of giveaway what? Giveaway of my experiences. Share. Giveaway of my learning. Share. It's the giveaway because I'm in jeopardy, man, that if I don't get into a situation in eight, seven, eight, I'm going to keep what I have for the rest. And it's going to go to my grave with me. I'm never going to get a chance to share. I'm never going to get a chance to develop and give to others. Ah, well, I, I went through this because I'm in preparation for some of the other things we, we're doing. And I'll, I'll finish the, the chat in a little while so I don't take up too much more of your time. But I had the conversation with uh, my three daughters. And, and they said um, a really wise thing. They said, we're at all of the stages and we can come backwards and forwards at any time when we need them 
that as we travel through the stages, we, we become more conscious of them. And our maturity is that we can choose, like we can choose to come back to stage one, which is the innocent in the nest. If mm. we choose to, uh, and the gift of that is luminous presence and the center of gravity is spirit. And our circumstances can bounce us between. So whilst there is one stage which we are dominating in, it uh, dominant in consciously, we are accessible to all the stages that come before it by choice, but we're only access to the stages beyond it through through um, by by the, the state, the state, yes. state the government state. But we can be in the state of late elderhood. Yes, that's right. Our way through and say, okay, I get stage four. I understand it intuitively. And now I'm going to understand it practically. Now I've got intuition and practical, my transrational state, I can go to the next. And ideally we get through all our lives. If we are surrounded by those people who can enable us and we are an enabler of others to move through each of these stages and every stage, we manifest those qualities, but we also realize we can't get too attached to them. Mm. Each stage, the challenge of every stage is knowing when to let it go to move to the next stage where you need to be. But there are some, there are some things in each stage that I think you will take with you as your toolkit into your later stages life. In stage one, I think you will always take your spirit. I think you need your spirit for the rest of the eight stages. Sure. There's anything that has to be consistent over the eight stages of your life. <laughs> it needs to be your spirit. Okay, yeah. well, let's 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 pick back on this one. Well, stage two, you need to take family and nature. Hey, you, you are, your family. If you have, if you're blessed enough to have one, yeah, and if you're blessed enough to have children of your own, please always remember. I guess stage two for me is again, you always keep that. Stage three is a little <laughs> bit shaky for me. Yeah. I think as you move through society, as you move older and older, my family has become that peer group. You know that society, yeah. The sex thing I keep to myself. Um, <laughs> but it's stage but number it's four, big. shady. Five is a big one for me because I think that visionary action and inspiration—that's another part of your toolkit that you keep for stages six, seven, and eight. And I think I think what's what's wonderful about your work, and I'm just going to ask you one final question. Um, what advice would you give to others? Who, who want to be more transrational in their lives. If they recognize they're either too intuitive and creative and couldn't organize or whatever and whatever, or they become so fixated on the, on the stuff that they can measure and say, well, hang on, I want to be human, to come back to mm. you, to mm. be a human being. What is, what is the one thing you can do, you would advise someone who is seeking to either check in yeah. with the transnational nature of their lives? Personally or professionally? I, 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 wrote, I wrote, when I wrote the thing that I was talking about, I said transrational dialogue, right? And I just said like inner, inner conversation, intercultural conversations of learning about others through experience of others, right? And then I came up with, it's okay to be and do you. Yeah, and I guess it's okay to be and do you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I think that a lot of people get caught up with something that something may say to them, that somebody may whatever, and then you switch your game, and then you become somebody else, and you ain't happy with that somebody else. 
you follow somebody who has no direction at all, so you don't become, you follow somebody you think is a better person than you, yeah. and something happens, you kind of find out that's not true. So I, I think there's this whole thing about you really being cool with who you see in the mirror and developing that. And that, that's a tough game, I know. But I guess one of the things I did was I got a list. My list is like you ever. <laughs> so <laughs> I got like two pages here. I don't know if other people have done them, but I know I have. You know what I mean? And there's times when, you know, you got to really, you know, keep yourself afloat, man. And so uh, that's where the transrational is. Things will happen. Things don't happen because you didn't do this and you didn't do that. If you didn't take care of your business, this happened. Yo, that's it right there. It didn't happen if you didn't take care of it. And yeah. what happens if you do take care of it? How many things can you accomplish if you do take care of it? How much better can you feel about yourself if you do take care of it? Even though it might be tough, but you take care of it. Yeah? How would you feel about yourself? Brilliant. So get into that human game, showing yourself some love of, of that whole human game of that you are human and we are prone to mistakes and we are prone to errors. Yeah? That nobody necessarily is better than me based on anything else, because it's not about a race, it's about us as the human race. As long as we all right, I'm cool. Jim, lovely to speak to you as ever. Um, hope to catch up soon and yeah. see you in person at some point. My man, good luck to you, man. Keep you on working. Cheers. Have a good weekend. I'll do. Okay. All I'm, right, dude. I'm going to stop recording and I'm going to uh, do a bit of editing on this. I'll probably do it in the next couple of weeks because I've got my I've got my essay.